Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. But the strategy that Jesus gave us, love God with all your heart, strength, and mind, soul, and love one another. Love one, It's so simple, right? Like you hear the message. Jesus loves you. Love people. It's like, okay, I got that. I heard that when I got born again. Now let me go on to the real spiritual stuff. Well, there's nothing more spiritual than love, loving one another. Loving someone that's broken. Loving someone that has nothing to offer. Loving someone that's just lost in their sin. And they, they're even, you know, here's, here's what's so interesting about what we get to do. People will come in, and people will bring their family members in that aren't even really coming to church. And people are so used to being defensive and guarded and manipulating that you start loving them, and and that they start doing their manipulation. But their manipulation is on themselves more than it is on you. You know, you're not looking at people trying to spot where they're lying or whatever. You're not trying to catch them in anything. You're just being a place of love, and people come in, and they don't, they don't know how to receive. They don't know how to handle it, and they're positioning, and they're, they're strategizing. I'm telling you, that's one of the greatest things that you get to do for people is when you have the opportunity to be in front of someone, one of our family members or your friends, relatives, that you somehow God arranges a meeting, and you're just standing there, and you can see it all over them, and they're just, they're just shifting they're shifty, you know, they're just moving. You know what, you, do you know what I'm talking about? And it's like, I am just going to stand here and love you. I don't need you to take something away from me. I don't need you to learn anything from me in this moment. I just need you to stand here and watch me love you without judging you, without expecting anything from you, without your strategies working on me. Because that's what people are doing. They're deceiving themselves more than they're deceiving you. Don't, don't worry when people, when the hard cases are in front of you, the difficult situations are in front of you, and you start feeling like, I'm inadequate. I don't know what to do here. Well, you are inadequate. That's why Jesus gave you his spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when it, you know, it says acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. That is a strategy for ministry. We personalize that, and it's like, that's for me in my life. Well, yeah, but it's for you when you're ministering to people. When you're standing in front of someone that needs God, and you feel like, I have nothing to give them, you just stand. And a lot of those standing scriptures we take for ourselves, it's not working for me, God. Well, just stand. Well, stand in front of people. Love. And he said, love one another. It's the strategy. Your love for one another will be a sign to the world that you follow me. And then he says, in your unity, they will believe. When, you, when the body of Christ is unified, knowing that it's unified in Christ, they, the world will believe, it says. And that's why I think what Lauren said is so powerful, because I feel like it is the heart of God. A lot of people have views that you're waiting for it to get worse, and it's like, you know, I'm just going to hide over here, and I'm going to stay here in my bubble, and I'm going to protect mine, and the world is going to hell in a handbasket, the brakes are broke, and we're just, there's no stopping it. <laughs> I mean, you hear that, you know, that's, that's a lot of people's end-time beliefs that it's like, it's just getting darker and darker and darker and darker and darker. Well, you know what? I don't think the spirit of the living God planted in this earth is going to continue in impotence, continue in ineffectiveness. Rise up. I mean, the Falcons are prophetic. (laughs) I'm serious. I mean, I'm serious. I, I... You know, it's like we're hiding. It's like the body of Christ is hiding from the world because we're expecting the world to win. 
The devil's already defeated. What are you afraid of him for? I mean, in the end, it says we're going to see him. We're going to be like, that? That is what deceived the nations? What was I thinking? It's not the devil you got to worry about. It's your mentality of your ineffectiveness in the world. The world isn't even that powerful when you know who you are in Christ. So if you don't know who you are, if you don't know you're a sheep, you're going to look at the world to define you. And there are all kinds of manipulative exercises within this world to define to you who you are, the media being one of them. You guys realize that the media puts on TV what gets viewers, right? So they put stuff on there, and then there's an agenda behind it to keep you watching. It's like the stuff they put in fast food. It's the same thing. They put it in you psychologically to keep you watching because they know that fear sells. Am I telling you the truth? The church can rise up. And I'm not talking about a Holy Ghost move of God and sweeps through the land. You know what I mean? I'm not talking about revival finally happens. If we all each had our own personal revivals, what would the world look like? We're even sitting waiting for God to show up and do something that he already did in us and through us, through Christ. And if you, if you want to know how to do it, if you want to know how to walk in it, know his love for you and love others. Love him. It's the most powerful strategy you could ever work. And as you are loving people, the spirit of the living God will quicken you and say, hey, you know what? Because your heart is open to love this person in this moment and that is your sole motive, let me give you a word of knowledge about that person that will help them open their heart. As you are intending to love this person, let me tell you that this person's back is hurting right now and it's an afterthought. You know, we're, we're wanting, there's kind of this move, it's like to lead with the, the power gifts. And it's like, you know, you, you, of course we want that stuff happening. But love, lead with love. Amen? Amen. Amen. So thank you for that, Lauren. I really feel like that was right on. Y'all believe that? Oh, yeah. That has nothing to do with my message today, but... We're getting there. Actually, it does. Somehow. I left my computer in my office, but I don't really need it. I'll just get to my notes here. Talk amongst yourselves for just a second. Jeez, I got a lot of notes here. Coffee talk. Well, you doing all right? I do have a quick testimony, and this is pretty cool. Um, I've, I've gone to Canada a few times with um, Jim Richards, and met several people. Well, this one couple has stayed in touch, and they've just gone through some stuff, you know. It's funny because when you start, let me, let me say this. Don't, don't criticize where you are when it's time for you to follow the call of God on your life. A lot of times we feel called, and we got to look around and find fault with where we are to justify moving forward. Because we can't just say, oh, time for me to go. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not, I'm not putting this on this couple because I know that they'll watch. I'm, and they understand my heart. It's, it's more about us doing that kind of stuff, you know? Because we all have a call on our lives. And it may be within a body like this. It may not be. Let other people follow God how they are called to follow God. Amen? So, um, but this couple who has, they've just been in touch with our ministry for a few years now. They're in Calgary, Canada, Alberta, Canada, which is a province way out west. Um, I guess north of Montana. I think even further west, isn't it? But it's pretty far out there. It's wet. It's yeah, mountain time for us probably. 
But anyway, they watch, and um, they've stepped down from their church. They've been faithful at their church for a really long time, and they just feel, you know, you just, you just feel that urge. I can hear it in the messages. They just have this urge. So they're starting a home group, and basically what they're going to do is they're just going to watch these messages. So we get to be their church, too, which is pretty fun. I read to the, some guys part of the testimony they sent, and they feel like that this is their church. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. There's people in Australia, people in England, people in Qatar. Let's see, where's, where's another one, a big one? Texas, yeah. I don't know. There's somebody in Texas. <laughs> what city is that? What city is that? Something with an A and an X in it. I don't remember. I think. I don't know. You know, you just, you just do what you do and, and let God do what he does and just be committed to love. Amen? Amen. And, then, and, then, and then things happen. Because, you know, church is not a place where you figure everything out and you get yourself cleaned up, and then you get to come to church. I mean, church is kind of like taking a bath. You know what I mean? Your identity is in place, but you just go in and refresh it, and freshen up a little bit, you know. Not, not that you get more holy, but you just shake the dust off. Because people go through some stuff. And let me just tell you this. If you think that you're the only one going through stuff, trust me. You ain't. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that right now. Well, we are in message four of this series. First message is God is good. Amen? If you've missed any of these, you can go back to the podcast you can also go through our Welcome to the Family course, which if you go to the website, forwardchurch.net, and I think it's under the Home tab, click on Membership. You can go through the Welcome to the Family course if you're interested in learning more about this church or making this your home church, declaring your uh, membership. We don't really have a formal membership. If you tell us that you're a member, then you're a member. <laughs> and if you decide to leave, we don't have to take your certificate and burn it or anything like that. I, I don't know about stuff like that. I've had, and I'm not making fun of it. It's just my ignorance, my, my lack of church involvement. There, I mean, there are people that have things. The letter. The letter, I guess, yeah. And, I mean, it, so it, it is what it is. I mean, they do it. That's just how they do it. That's fine. But we don't do that, so... It is weird when people leave and they never say anything and then they wonder why. Anyway. God is good. That's the first one. Uh, Jesus is enough. Gosh, I want to re-preach all these. Right now. The next one. You are a new creation. I, that, the, the, the truth of being a new creation that the old you, the old man, is dead. You were dead in your sin, cut off from God, and then you become a new creation, connected to God with a new heart, with his life source in you, to realize I am not by nature an evil sinner any longer. I am by nature one with God, the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. To turn that corner and in your understanding, it's hard theologically for some people, and I get it. And, and it, there's got to be some breathing of the Spirit on that revelation to, for, for it to make sense inwardly. And th there are details that can be discussed, you know, it's like, but the issue is you actually become a different kind of being when the Spirit of God takes up residence within you. He has to do a work within you in order to live inside of you. You know what I mean? Where he is, it has to be holy. So he does a work within you. And from then on, you're a different kind of being. And you can either think of it spiritually or carnally. We tend to focus on the spiritual side of it, meaning the life side of it, the eternal side of who you are. Addressing also the carnal, the physical side of it, you know, it should bear fruit. But today I want to talk about 
the idea of what grace is. Grace is transformative power. Think about that for a minute. It's transformative power. See, we hear a lot about grace and mercy, right? And they're kind of used interchangeably, grace and mercy, grace and mercy. And we think of grace and mercy as the same, and we think of them as, boy, you really messed up. I'm going to show you some grace. Right? I mean, that's predominantly how it's taught, like they're the same thing. Well, I want to talk to you. You know, I'm not going to so much preach. I don't think. I just want to give you, I want to go through some scriptures here, and I want to give you kind of a working definition, a working understanding of grace. Not so much the doctrinal understanding of grace, but the function of grace what grace actually is, how it works in your life, how you can access it, how you can yield to it, what you should expect from it, the function of grace. Does that make sense? So mercy, let me just look at a couple definitions before we really get going. Mercy basically means kindness and compassion. Here's Vine's definition, or yeah, Vine's definition. Vine's is a a dictionary that was kind of built off original language tools. Vine says, the outward manifestation of pity. That's mercy. Oh, bless your heart. That's mercy. Or as, as, as Fred Sanford would say, you big dummy. You know, when you want to say, you big dummy, but you say, bless your heart. That's mercy. It assumes need on the part of him who receives it. And the resource is adequate to meet the need on the part of him who shows it. So, you know, you kind of get the idea of looking at mercy biblically. It's a character trait of the person who's showing it, right? It's not really something I give you, whereas grace, on the other hand, is something that you're given. Mercy, can it be extended? You know, don't, don't nitpick these words. Don't worry about the syntax. We're talking function, right? So God, who is rich in mercy, with his great love, wherewith he loved us, right? Because God is merciful, you experience him being merciful to you. He's not holding your sin against you. That is a promise of the new covenant. And, and if we were Jews under the old covenant, we would understand how big of a deal that actually is. We don't really get how big of a deal it is for God not to hold our sins against us. But it's a big deal. Now, in your mind, if you then start wrestling with what about sin then realize that you're in the audience of Paul when he would say, okay, well, why should we continue in sin? God forbid. No. Are you kidding me? Why, what do you, why would your mind go to sin when we start talking about how free you are? Anyway, so mercy is more of a character trait. Now, grace, here's four basic definitions that compile into this word grace, the Greek word charis, and charisma is like grace in action. When it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, it's actually the same root word, charis, and it's charisma. So in other words, it's grace in action. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, the gift of faith, the gift of healing. It's actually the grace of healing, the grace of the word of knowledge. And it's a grace because it's, it's an active agent within you. So watch this definition. It does mean unmerited favor. Some folks get a hold of the gospel and they realize, oh, we are under the new covenant. The old is fulfilled, and I'm just going to preach unmerited favor because they're happy to realize that they're free from judgment because Jesus took it all already. And some people kind of stop there. But there's still some transformation left to do, and that's where grace comes in. So it does have to do with unmerited favor. It's almost as if grace comes by unmerited favor, but it continues. So, And this is one of my favorite aspects Divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the life. This is the Greek word charis, taken directly out of the Thayer's Greek lexicon. Depending on which version of Strong's you read, 
It doesn't go into the deeper definitions of carice. You know, Strong's is notorious for that. I don't know if, how many studiers we have, but if you're only using Strong's for your Greek understanding, get a Thayer's also because it goes, it goes way deeper. It expands it even more. So this is out of the Thayer's Greek lexicon, a divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. So it implies unmerited favor on and in your heart and its reflection in your life. So in order for it to be fully grace, you see the fruit of it in the reflection as well. We don't deny that. So, and it also means capacity and ability. So the, the image is, it's like because God is merciful and he is just extending his love and kindness towards you, it's kind of like the sun. You know, the sun shines light, but it also has power within it. When the sun shines on a flower or a plant or even you, it has nutrients in it. It has life within it. The sun has the power to bring life into something and make it flourish. That's what God is. That's who God is. That is his grace. His grace is that nourishing element that's transformative and life-giving that's extending from him. And it extends from him, from his spirit, inside of you because you are one with him. And it's, in, it's, it's extending into your heart. So it's almost as if the light of God is shining inwardly into your heart. And it's being nourished and strengthened and fed. And it has all the nutrients within it that it needs for you to be healthy. Amen? And as you feed on those and as you let that nourishment strengthen you and shape you and mold you, you reflect it outwardly. But you can still choose to think and operate as the old man if you want to. And you, it's almost like you hinder. We're going to get to that in a minute when we look at Galatians 2.21 when he says that grace is nullified when you're trying to improve by your works. It's, such a, it's an interesting paradox. So, y'all with me? Let's look at um, a few scriptures here. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1. This is kind of a long one, but remember, you're not, I don't necessarily, I'm not trying to get you to understand a doctrine, but understand the function of grace, because you need grace. Say, I need grace. I need grace. Grace is kind of like, grace buys you time to renew your mind. Well, I'm really wanting to blow up here. I'm really, really wanting to make a bad decision here. God help. And, and so there's some power, and it's almost like kind of pushes the pause button for a moment so that you can work on your mind to see that situation differently. You just the fan on your wrist. Yeah, yeah, pop oh. your wrist or something. <laughs> but, you know, it's like a speed bump, great. It's not just a speed bump. I'm just trying to give some illustrations. You know, it's like it, it gives you some buffer space to then renew your because transformation is by the renewing of your mind. God can't just give you grace and make your heart change. He gave you a brand new heart, and it's part spirit, part soul. You know, we don't, I mean, it's, it's interesting how it's defined and how it's described, how it works. But he's always extending grace. There's way more grace than, than the opportunity for sin. There's way more opportunity for you to step into his strength and power than there is for you to fail. It, it's, that's just scripture. But why don't we? Why don't we feed on that power? Why don't we let, the, why don't we let it rise up and within us and strengthen us? It's because when we feel, you know, when you have hope, that's kind of like what grace feels like. Grace feels like hope. When you're thinking, oh, it, it could, it, maybe it could be different. Stick with me on this. Get this. It feels like hope in that moment. It feels like, oh, there, wow, there could be, I could have a different future. It could be different. And then the mind goes, oh, yeah? <laughs> remember what you did yesterday? Remember what it was like the last 17 times you tried? Do you remember what your mama said? Is that where you live or what? Not anymore. I mean, grace feels like hope. So when you recognize that, oh, it could be different, sit in that for a moment. Allow that 
you know, that's where knowing the Word of God, that's where coming to a church like this that's always going to encourage you fits in. You know, position yourself where you have influence so that you understand how to take advantage of those moments of grace. When that grace hits, grace comes alive inside of you. And I'll talk about how to access it in Romans 5. There's a moment that you've got to let it bear fruit. Well, but see, what you've got to do is you've got to suffer and you've got to die to self in order to get... I'm like, really? I thought I was saved by grace. I thought I experienced everything that God has for me by grace, not by suffering. You're not saved by suffering. You're not saved by enduring to the end as far as in your life. You know what I mean? I mean, somebody was thinking about that, so I, we just went there. So if that wasn't for you, don't worry about it. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you, say me, me. has he quickened. Well, you can stop there. I'll just keep reading it. <laughs> what does quickened mean? Made alive. Who were dead, say dead. dead. Okay, I'll read now. In trespasses and sins. <laughs> But now, I, w- I wish we could look at these scriptures as if we'd never read them before and as if we don't already understand everything that it means. Because it's, there's a functionality. Keep, keep that second one up there. There's a functionality that he's describing here of what grace is rather than just, oh, I know that information, okay? It's not just information we're talking about. We're talking about the living, active Spirit of God within you, not just when you get born again, but continually. This is going on within you. I mean, it happened, it's complete when it happened, but it continues to be effective, and it's your choice of whether or not you're going to let it affect you or not. So, back back to number one. This is, it's going to describe what kind of being you were, and then address the fact that you're a new creation. And the agent is grace that makes the difference because he loves you, okay? See, we, we get lost in the weeds sometimes trying to understand all the little details and the doctrine, but what he's describing here is the very scenario that he also talks about in Colossians 2 where there is a circumcision done without hands on you that removes the old body of the flesh, the sarks, and the definition of sarks that's applied there is your old nature, and it's cut away from you. This is describing it with different terminology, different conceptually, but it's the same thing. Okay, are you with me? If If you can start to understand Scripture in terms of concepts rather than a bunch of different individual doctrines, it just starts to tie together better. So you who he has made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. See, sometimes we just get lost. It's like, okay, I'm lost already, but let's keep going. Among whom also we, ha- we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, bless your heart, (laughs) for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin. That's what kind of being you were, dead in sin. Has quickened us together, with Christ. And there's so much in that going from the first half of that verse to the second half of that verse. And it's expounded on in other places where Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah prophesied about this new heart. And I will place my spirit within you and my laws will be written on your heart. And a circumcision will happen within you that removes the dead man. And I will put my spirit within you and you will know my voice and you will follow me. That, that all happened in that comma. Amen. Where you get washed clean. 
and you move into the security of this new covenant that is safe and secured by the blood of Christ that completes that transaction. And you are in that forever. And then you just get to believe that and let it change every other area of your life. All that happens in that comma right there. By grace, you are saved. Next verse. And has raised us up together. Now, we typically read this and think of this as like a resurrection, as if when Christ was resurrected, we were resurrected. But it's a different word. It's the word raised, and it has to do with authority. You were seated in a position of authority with him. You are a joint heir with him, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is what determines what kind of power you have. Jesus has shared his authority with you. Not just made you a new creature, but he's also brought you into his position. In not, you're not the Messiah. You're not going to be the Messiah. You're not going to be, you know what I mean? It, but you are, you're in him. You're safe in him. He's brought you where he is, spiritually. And I don't mean spiritually meaning it's pretend or for somewhere in the future. It just means in the life, in the eternal perspective. Made us together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, I, I, I don't know what that's all about. But whatever this is all about, the ages to come, what he's going to do is continue to show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness to us. You were dead in your sin. He did a work within you through Christ that made you alive in him. He raised you to the same place of authority in him. You're in him. So that forever in the ages to come, he can be kind to you. I mean, it's incredible. Next verse. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift. Now, this word gift here is gift, like a present. It is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. You're sitting there, and he's working on you right now. He's given you everything you need. You're completed in him, but he's working out the rest of it. And you co-labor with that. You work out this salvation that he's given you, but you also work it out by grace. Just how you received it, that's how you walk in it. Created in Christ unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Man, there's just so much there. Let's go ahead to the next scripture. So that was Ephesians 2. This is just a little bit further along. So your homework this week, go read Ephesians. It's pretty short. Meditate on it. Amen? Will you do it? There's going to be a test next week. Yeah, you gotta, you're gonna, you're gonna come, you gotta memorize it. <laughs> you know, when you read the Bible, you want to understand line upon line, precept upon precept. You don't want to pick and choose. You want to, you know, when I study, I'll read the entire letter, and then God will highlight certain topics for me to bring in here. But when you do your study, read the whole thing. So, again, we're talking about the work, a working understanding of grace, right? What is grace? If, it's, if I'm saved by it, and we're not just talking about the one-time born-again experience. We're talking about you continually needing to experience salvation, healing, wholeness, soundness, preservation, restoration, deliverance, prosperity. Yes, that's in there. It's actually in soteria, which is salvation, which is an extension of the word sozo, but talking about, I don't believe in that prosperity gospel. Well, <sighs> I don't have time for that right now, but anyway. The function of grace, right? That's what we're looking at. That he would grant you according to his riches of glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now, just pause there for just a minute. I mean, to, to me, this is like the best encapsulated explanation of what grace does and how it works 
even though the word grace is not in there, he just spent the entire chapter right before this talking about what grace is. But this is the, the, the working element of it. You know, do you ever experience strengthening in your inward man? Yeah, your heart. I mean, it's kind of hard to put a single word on it, but the inner, what makes you you eternally. That inner, that, like if you were to pass on from here, your inner man is moving on. So whatever that is, people call it spirit, whatever. I don't, I don't know how to specifically define that. But whatever moves on when your body gives up the ghost, the ghost is the inner man. <laughs> Because you need grace. You need power. You need to change. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Next verse. <clears throat> Why? So that Christ would dwell in my heart by faith. That me being rooted in, so I need, his, I need his strengthening in the inner man so that my heart is filled with Christ. It's like it's in there, but this is talking about the fruition aspect, right? The manifestation aspect. So I'm strengthened in the inner man, so I let Christ into my inner being. I let Christ into my heart and my mind and my soul and all this, that, that I'll be rooted and grounded in love and may be able to comprehend, understand with all the saints the, the, the breadth, the length, the depth, and, and the height. Stay there for a minute. So when you're strengthened in your inner man, this, this strengthening happens, this fruition happens, this manifestation of Christ in your heart happens. You become more and more rooted and secure in his love for you. You understand your safe place in this covenant. And you get, you get revelation on just how much he loves you. How many of you have ever sat and you just, you just got tears in your eyes thinking of how much God loved me? This is what it's talking about. Yeah. So we don't associate our experiences with Scripture sometimes. But when you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, wow, this is what it's talking about. Next verse. And to know or experience the love of God, which passes knowledge, it's better than understanding that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. See, in Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's like a seed that is completely God, Christ is, and it gets put within you. So the fullness of God that's in Christ, that is Christ, gets put in you, in fullness, in completeness. You don't need to go get an impartation from somebody else to get another portion of the Spirit. You get all of it. And then your role from there is this Ephesians description of what grace is, is to... Let that strengthen you because there are parts of you that are not perfect. That you will be rooted and grounded in love. The soil in which you root and ground yourself in is that love. And then you become filled with Christ in your heart. I thought Christ already lived in my heart. Well, I hope he does. And, and then you become full of God. I would submit to you that is a description of what it means to experience baptism in the Spirit. See, because we say baptism in the Spirit, and it's like, okay, there's a separate doctrine over here. We talked about that. Now let's talk about baptism in the Spirit. This is a description of what it means to be baptized in the Spirit. So you might need to change your definition of baptism in the Spirit because it's not just a one-time event that happens to you. It is a yielding to and being immersed in and full of God. I'm a Baptist. I don't do that tongue stuff. I'm not talking about tongues. I'm talking about you being full of God. Yielded to his power. And then if tongues manifests as you are full of him, so be it. 
We'll get there. That's another message in a couple of weeks. Next, next verse. I am crucified with Christ. Again, a working knowledge, a working understanding of what grace is. Remember, faith is in the list of the gifts of the Spirit. Some people will teach that God gives you faith to get saved because this here says that we live by his faith. And I would submit to you that there's two kinds of faith. There's your faith that you take and you place in him, and then from then on, you can live by his grace of faith. Does that make sense? His power to trust him. Yeah, but I don't get saved unless he gives me the faith to get saved. Well, that's not really what it's saying. That's not scriptural. I only get saved when he chooses me to be saved. Some of y'all haven't been taught that, but some people have. No, you have a faith, and you place it in him, and when you place it in him and, you be, and all, that, all that happened in that comma comes active for you, and then you can live by his faith. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, did, not, did he not cut off the old body of flesh and remove it from you? You understand what I'm saying? This is the same word sarks here. I now live in the flesh. He's not talking about what kind of being you are by nature. He's talking about this. It's funny. You look up the word sarks, and it says the soft covering. The soft covering. See, <laughs> because we don't properly study, we look at a definition like sarks, and we think that Skin is evil, as if sin lives in skin. Are you with me? But in Colossians, when it says that the body of flesh was removed with the circumcision without hands, it's talking about the, the part of the definition, and you can go and study it, the application that defines your nature was removed, but you still live in the soft covering. Do you see the difference? Because it very clearly says that you live in the flesh, the life that you live in the flesh. Well, but he removed my flesh. So are you with me? It's not talking about the nature of being you were that, that it just did in Ephesians. All right, so this life that you live in this body, this physical body, you can live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, 221. I do not frustrate or nullify the grace of God. Now, this is not saying I don't frustrate God. It's not like God's, what's wrong with you? That's not what it's talking about. He might feel that way sometimes, but that's not what this is talking about. Says, I don't nullify or render ineffective the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. He's saying, if you try to adhere to any sense of righteousness through the law, you are rendering the transformative power that saves you ineffective. Now, the righteousness, we don't say, I did this really good, so I'm righteous now, God, in front of you. What we say is, I did this wrong, so now I'm unrighteous. That is rendering the grace of God ineffective because you're still trying to define who and what you are in front of God by your behavior. You would never say, I'm righteous because I prayed for someone. But you might say, well, I really blew it, so I don't feel so righteous right now, or I am unrighteous because of what I did. That is rendering the grace of God ineffective in your life. That is technically falling from grace as a believer. leaving the realm of the active power of grace in your heart. I think this is the last one, Romans 5. Again, I'm trying not to add a lot of teaching, but just kind of show you the functionality of it. So how do you do it? How do you access it? Because I'm telling you, the most frustrated people are people that come and hear the gospel, start to understand what grace actually is, but can't get it to work for them. 
Now, you might say it better than that. You might say it better than can't get it to work for them, but you know what I mean. Don't experience the power of it. And you continue in sin, or you continue in your depression, or you continue in your death cycles. You know what I mean? It's like, I understand it. Why is it not working? <laughs> it's very real. If you've, been, if you've been hanging out in this gospel for very long and hearing this and understanding the heart dynamic and understanding what grace really is, and you're there, and you're like, what am I supposed to do now? It doesn't work. You start analyzing. But really what you're doing is you're looking at yourself through your efforts and the condition of your life, and you're rendering the grace of God ineffective. And, and, and I wish I could tell you the easy way to cross that divide. I really wish I could. I think it has a lot to do with you just being rooted and grounded in his love for you. you just resting in him, knowing what he's done for you letting him dwell in your heart by faith. You just trust that he's in there. You know, you let that love define you and his love for you empower you and strengthen you. You cross that divide. It's never about performance. Performance should certainly be affected, but it's never about performance. Performance is just noticed after it's worked. So, Therefore, being justified by faith, say, I'm justified. By faith. We have peace with God. You realize that? Again, if you were a Jew trying to live under the the old covenant, you would understand how powerful that statement actually is. You have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, Verse 2, this is it. By whom, so through him, by whom we, act, we have access by faith, and faith means to be confident in and persuaded of. Of what? His love for you. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace where we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You access this grace by faith when it's not working, when you've been running the same life cycles over and over and over. You understand the message, but your life isn't changing. Why? Because you're not by faith accessing the grace. But I understand it. I know how to do it. And I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. Stay rooted and grounded in his love for you. His love for you is the breeding ground. You, 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 understanding and experiencing his love for you is the breeding ground within which you experience the fullness of God within you. I mean, it's really so simple. It's just really so simple. We complicate it. We want to add all these methodologies and all these different things that we run to to try to get more. I mean, it's just odd what we do and how we disqualify us. I mean, man-made performance-centered Christianity relates to God more on our performance than on His. You go to most churches and they're talking more about your performance than His. Not saying we don't need to address yours, but it's, it's just an effect that gets changed when you understand what it really should be about. Amen? Your heart is the breeding ground that you are sovereign over to let this love strengthen and empower you beyond the same old, same old. I mean, you have some responsibility in this matter. He can't just make it happen. Do you think he doesn't want to? I mean, we start judging God. His will for you is thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Why else would Jesus have prayed that? So it all comes back to the same thing. Stewarding your heart. Stewarding what's going on within you. Creating that buffer within you with the love of God for you. And fully expecting everything that we just described to to grow. It's a fruit. It's not a work. The things that you need and want and believe and desire 
that are godly, and you know that that should be in your life, it's a fruit that grows. But it grows out of the soil of your heart that is experiencing his love. I mean, it's incredibly humbling in your darkness and in your failure to go to God and let him love on you. I don't understand how that works. Well, I don't either, but it does, doesn't it? How many of you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know your stories. You telling the truth. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, help. Say help. Help. <laughs> Oh, man, we, we just, we, we ultimately just want your will accomplished in our lives. We just happen to believe that your will is good. We just happen to believe that your will is that we look like Jesus. We can't add to it. We just want to experience it. We just want to get out of the way and let your love come to fruition in us and through us so that you are glorified. And this world, like Lauren said, don't forget that word. We shine that light. So this world has a choice. It can look at tragedy or it can look at what the body of Christ is doing. Love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your strength in me. I take one last moment to yield myself to you, to be strengthened in my inner man to stay rooted and grounded in your love for me so that I am filled with everything that you are within me and it changes every aspect of my being in my life to your glory. Amen.